right, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We ask and we say there is illumination. The highest of our understanding is enlightened. There is no confusion in this atmosphere. Every heart can behold you as we see ourselves in you. We say your name alone is glorified as we are edified in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. No, it not sound like you mean it. Amen. Amen. All right. All right, let's start a new, let's start something new this evening. And um, I call this spiritual growth, spiritual growth, spiritual growth. And um, let's see, let's, let's see um, what this is all about. And, um, let's see if you're really growing or if you're not growing. By the end of today, we're going to ask ourselves a question. And we're, uh, when we are asking ourselves what we learned, so at the end of today, we are going to ask ourselves, are you really growing or are you not growing? Praise God. Um, so we're going to learn that this evening. Are you ready? Yes. You know, growth is a sign of life. Um, um, it is a proof of success in investment. Growth is a sign of life. It is the joy of every parent to see their child grow from an infant into... Um, a toddler into um, a man, a woman. It's the joy of every prince. It's the trophy of an hard work. You, you start from 100 level, you start to 200 level, you're in 300 level, you're in 400 level. It's the trophy of an hard work. It is the crown of all effort. It is the crown of all effort. Our parents must you know, as a parent or even as a child or even as a disciple, the growth, the, 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 it is a joy to see somebody grow. Because growth is, um, growth, it, time is such an increase, it makes, it, it, it makes you have much increase. And um, so every believer has to desire, has to pursue spiritual growth. It has to be the pursuit of every believer it has to be the pursuit of every christian Don't forget we're studying spiritual growth it is a proof of discipleship one of the joy of the disciple is to see the person you are training the person you are teaching god's word grow in the knowledge of it so it is not a right or privilege in christ spiritual growth is not a right or privilege in christ it is not a right or privilege in Christ. It is not an inheritance in him. It is rather how much we are taking advantage of the same. Like I'm saying again, spiritual growth is not a right and privilege in Christ. You know, we've been learning who you are in Christ, the basis of Christianity, oh, uh, righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That is not spiritual growth. But spiritual growth is the it is how much you have taken advantage of that knowledge. How much you have taken advantage of, oh, I am a, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, I'm the, I'm the son of God. Oh, the spirit of God is dwelling in me. It is how much you have taken advantage of the knowledge you have. That is spiritual growth. And um, the epistles place premium on the growth of the believer. That's one, if you read the epistles, you will see that the epistles place more pressure place more premium on the growth the old testament foretells and foreshadows salvation the four gospel speaks of getting saved but the epistles speak 
on growing up spiritually. And that is why every Christian needs to grow spiritually. Say, I need to grow spiritually. Tell your neighbor, say, you need to grow spiritually. You need to grow spiritually. So, oftentimes, preachers keep preaching salvation to the believers who are not even growing spiritually. Now, we've been studying, oh, we are the righteousness of God in Christ, who you are in Christ. We've done those mighty, amazing series, basis of Christianity, reality of salvation, reality of the indwelling of the Spirit, reality of our righteousness, reality of our redemption in Christ, reality of our authority in His name, reality of... But we can keep telling you all of those things, and if you are much, are you taking account of those things? How much are you taking account of those things? That's why you see some churches every Sunday, they are calling an author call. That's not a church who is growing spiritually. Every Sunday after the free preacher finished preaching, you will hear, okay, so how many of you want to receive the life of Christ now? Or how many of you want to get born again now? Okay, so if we have to call author call every Sunday, it shows that the message or the material you are feeding the people is not helping them get saved, is not helping them grow spiritually. You didn't get that, right? <laughs> Praise God. So, because everyone has to feed on God's word. Everyone has to feed on the knowledge of God's word. And the believer is to feed on the knowledge of his salvation. When you see someone doubting his salvation, you speak to somebody and the person is saying, I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure if I'm internally saved. That person is not growing spiritually. Are you getting it? Because he has not properly taken account of what he has learned in the gospel. Now, it's just like somebody among us now, we've been hearing for several weeks who you are in Christ. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are this, you are that. And the person is still telling you, see, forget what pastor is saying. Forget it. Me, I know myself. I'm still a sinner. Just know that that person, <laughs> that person is not growing. Hallelujah. It's that simple. So it is. So imagine you're in a church where they have to preach to you every Sunday and say, you are a sinner, you are a sinner, you are this, you are that. Just know that you can't grow in that kind of a place. Imagine all you hear every Sunday is condemnation, how that God hates you, how that you are going to hellfire. How many of you grew up in that kind of place where every, almost every Sunday, I did, I mean, we have to cry. If you did not cry, when we when, were when in high school, if you did not cry after a, after a service, you did not get saved. Because you have to get saved every Sunday. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, the, the proof, in fact, even when I became a preacher, when I used to preach then, the proof that I preached a good message was that people must cry. And should I shock you? I, I just enjoy it. I don't know why. <laughs> I enjoy it. I just feel like, ah, yes. I hear the Spirit of God moved. The heart of men were convinced. <laughs> <laughs> they cried. So imagine as I'm preaching to you now, you're crying, you're thinking, all of you are just, all of you that are on earrings, you're just offering your earrings, you're putting it somewhere, you're going to go burn them. You know, I asked my mother one day, I said, why is it that you don't wear earrings? She said, many years ago, she heard the sermon, and from that day, she said she had a lot of joy, and she said, she went to burn everything. I said, wow. She said, since then, I've been afraid to use earrings. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's the life of 
Those who now imagine I preach to you now and you are in this service and I say, some of you that are even wearing glasses, you are going to hellfire. You know, you're going to take it off and you're going to be going blindsided. You're just going to be partially blind. <laughs> and I tell you, some of you that are using jerseys, jerseys of not of God, the gold is for the devil, all of those things. Hope you know you can't even grow spiritually in that kind of place. You are growing in the knowledge of the devil. You are growing in the knowledge of hellfire. You are growing in the knowledge of fear. You are growing in the knowledge of condemnation. You are growing in the knowledge of, of sin and shame. That's what you are growing in. Fear. You are growing even in the knowledge of fear. And the Bible says there is no more, well, we, are, we have not received adoption again, the spirit of bondage again to fear, or the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry about Father. So you are not growing. So imagine I tell you, I say, okay, your earrings are the devil. You have to take them off. And um, it's not going to make you. Um, it's not going to make you enter heaven. So you pull everything. You pull your joy. You give me. Ah, me, I'll go and sell it. I'll make money. <laughs> and I say all your wigs. So for some of you that are on wigs, wigs are the devil. You know, it was a message at some point in Christianity. Oh, you didn't. You didn't know. Yeah. Some some sisters will tell you. Oh. Um. It's, those things are even on YouTube. Some things that will tell you, I just came back from heaven. I just came back from hell. When we were younger, they used to call it maybe 21 days in hell. Those are the things that I'll just, be, I'll just stay in my room. You know, those times, maybe there is no power supply. I'll just stay there. I'll just be looking around. Ah, what if, what if the devil just comes in now? <laughs> you know, everything is, you're just suddenly fearful. You're just looking around you. Okay, okay, okay. Maybe there's a demon around. There's, <laughs> you know, you are not growing. That's that's can that that can help you grow because you are feeding on the wrong diet. You are feeding on something that is not in the scripture. So a believer who is not feeding or who is even doubting his salvation cannot be feeding or cannot be growing. So that means as preachers, we have a responsibility to help people understand the reality of their salvation. As preachers, we have a responsibility as you as a preacher. You know, when I say as preachers, I'm talking to you. I hope you know you're a preacher. Praise God. How many of you don't know you're a preacher? All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We have a preacher church. Praise God. So, as a preacher, you have a responsibility to help people understand the reality of their salvation. It is our responsibility, it is our call. So, when we tell people that they are saved, we must explain to them that, see, you can't lose your salvation. You have a guarantee. You have been sealed with the Holy Ghost. The very minute you, the very minute you place doubt, the believer leaves you and they start feeling doubt. They start feeling like they're going to go to hellfire. They're going to go to, um, they're, they're in fear. They're in shackles of their shame and sin. They did not grow. Are you getting that? Because no person guarantees his salvation. Christ guarantees his work. No person guarantees salvation. Christ is the one that guarantees his work. So it is not, and, and one thing you must know, as touching salvation is that it is not in our hands to keep people saved. It is Christ's work. It is Christ's work. So to help the non-growing or sinning Christian, it must start with teaching him. So when you are helping somebody who is not growing or somebody, a Christian who is still committing sin, you must help that Christian 
trace is salvation. Where did the salvation come from? Helping with a guarantee and an assurance of his salvation. Make him understand and say, you have been born again. Many, majority of people who are staying in sins, who have not fully received the knowledge of Christ, who have not fully come into the acceptance of the reality of what God has done in Christ Jesus for them, is because they are not well thought. Are you getting what I'm saying? They are not well thought. They still feel like the reason why you see some people in the clubs today, you see some of people, some people doing whatever they like today, and they'll tell you, I'm a Christian, I go to church, is because, <laughs> because they feel that they will still end up in hell. They feel, I am a sinner. They feel, oh, this. So they are not growing. They don't have enough knowledge of the assurance of their salvation. I will thank God for so many materials that we've, we've done in Thigh Pass. We have, um, I think I taught something on righteousness. Have I? Do I have a message on that? Okay, but if you, if you see that, if you, you can look at, um, you can, you can look at um, the basis of Christianity. I explained most of those things there. If you look at who you are in Christ, I explained a lot of things there. If you look at gifts of internal life, I explained what those things there. If you look at what every believer needs to know, I explained most of those things there because a Christian or a believer needs to come to an assurance of his salvation. He needs to have a guarantee. He needs to focus on that aspect. So, as preachers, we have a responsibility. We have work to help people understand their salvation. We have work. We have, we have work to do. We have work to do. We have work to do. We have to ensure that people have a guarantee. People have an assurance of their salvation. And our understanding of that simple agreement will help them. Look at this, Ephesians 2 verse 8. Ephesians 2 verse 8. Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 10. Remember, we study spiritual growth, right? Just, we're, just, we're just kicking off here. This is like, uh, I'm, I'm trying to make this like a serious one. Because there's a lot we're going to study on this. Like, this is just the basics. So, um... Get ready for awesome times in the study of God's word as we progress in years and years and years and years and years to come. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, we keep casting many of our series now, so we start getting used to it. All right. Look at Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 10. It says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourself, it is a gift of God. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. So the believer is saved, not of performance. You need, to have, you need to help believers and you need to know that you are not saved because of performance. What does performance mean? You are not saved because you cried. Are you getting what I'm saying? You're not saved because you came out and shouted, Oh Lord, save me. Oh Lord. Oh Lord. That is not why you got saved. You know, a lot of people think because of the tears they cried or because of the tears that came out of their faces, that's why God had to forgive them. So they will tell you, hmm, do, you know I mean? do, you know, do you know how much I shed tears? Do you know what, do you, do you think it, do you know what it took me? 
I, I dropped, you know, I was having a conversation with my friend sometimes and she was telling me, he said, the money I've dropped in church offering, I could have used it to buy a house these days because they swindled a whole lot of money from me. <laughs> I said, sorry. She said, well, <laughs> but the believer is not saved because of performance. You are not saved because of your performance. You are not saved because of your works. You are not saved because you had a good degree in school. You are not saved because... Um, because you are studying mathematics, <laughs> you're not saved because <laughs> you're not saved because you're not saved because you can speak good English. You're not saved because you which other thing you have the best car. You're not saved because you, you you're not saved because of that. You are saved because look at what it says in verse eight. It says, "For by grace you are saved, but not of God." That now, so this is a past things. This past things, not a past action. This is a past things. So the believer is not saved. The believer is saved not of performance. So that means it is a past things, not a past action. Look at Titus 3. Titus 3. Like I always told you why you came to church is so that you look at the scriptures. I said if you, if you come to church or if you go to a church and they don't show you enough scriptures, you should be, you should be afraid because then they are about to deceive you. Three, Thythos 3, from verse 4, Thythos 3, verse 4, Thythos 3, verse 4, it says, But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, towards men appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, it saved us by the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. It says, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Lord, that being justified by his faith, being justified by his grace, we should be made yes according to the hope of eternal life. So it says, being justified by his grace, we should be made yes according to the hope of internal life. Look at Hebrews 7.22. Hebrews 7.22. Hebrews 7.22. Hebrews 7.22. It says, are you there? I'll wait for you. Hebrews 7.22. It says, by so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. So Jesus is the guarantor of the New Testament. Jesus is the guarantor of the New Covenant. Unlike the old, which their conduct was to certify, Jesus is the key here. In the Old Testament or in the Old Covenant, it was based on their performance, it was based on their conduct, it was based on their works. But now, Jesus is the major key here. Look at verse 25. He says, Wherefore, in that Hebrews 7, I'm reading Hebrews 7, verse 25. He says, Wherefore, is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing that he ever liveth to make intercession for them. So, and the word uttermost means what? Forever. Uttermost means forever. Is able to save them to the uttermost. That means Christ has the ability to save you to the end. 
and this is not based on your works. Are you getting what I'm saying? So you see that your salvation is not inched on your righteousness. It's not inched on your performance. It's not inched on your works. That's why he says it is by grace you are saved. So and he says he is able to save you to the uttermost, uttermost that cometh to God by him, seeing that delivered to make intercession for us. And uttermost means forever. So if you are if you are not saved forever. Be rest assured that Jesus did not save you. If somebody comes to you and tells you, um, your, your salvation is not forever, then it is not Jesus who saved the person. Then they are not talking about the salvation that Jesus gave. Because the salvation that Jesus gave is a forever thing. Are you getting what I'm saying? No one can take you out of his hands. John Thayer made us to understand that. He says, no man can pluck you out of his hands. So, he saves you forever. Hallelujah. Say, I'm saved forever. I'm saved forever. I'm saved forever. Look at Jude 1 verse 24. Jude 1 24. Jude verse 24. Jude 24. So, he saves you forever. He's able to make you. It saves you forever to the uttermost, to the very end. So, you are not in the fear that your salvation is going to be lost at any time. You and I should not be afraid, or you and I should not be scared that our salvation is going to slip off our hands at any time. Look at in verse 24 here, Jude 1 verse 24. It says, unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Wow and to present you faultless before the presence of the glory with exceeding joy. So Christ is able to keep you from falling. Keep you from falling. So, and you know what? We thank God that he does it perfectly. He can keep you from falling. Falling away from salvation. He can keep you from falling away from sin. He can keep you. So he says in verse 24, he says, Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling. Falling. So it keeps you from falling. Say it keeps me from falling. Keeps me from falling. So if somebody tells you, ah, you're gonna fall into sin, you're gonna fall into this. Okay, why, why why as you are saved now, are you not scared that you're gonna fall into sin? Say, no, Christ is able to keep me from falling. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Christ is able to keep me from falling. You must have the assurance of this truth because that is what makes you grow spiritually. You must know this truth by heart. Hallelujah. Christ is able to keep me from falling. Look at Romans 8. Romans 8. Romans 8 verse 33 to 39. 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 It says... Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? He says, it is God that justifieth. He says, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yet, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also maketh intercession for us? Look at verse 35. He says, who shall separate us? Hallelujah. From the love of Christ, it says, shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, 
or nakedness, or peril, or sword. He says, that is it's written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, and we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things we are mother conquerors through him that loved us. It says, for I am persuaded, verse 39, I am persuaded that neither death, hallelujah, you see why we have eternal life? It says, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creation shall be able ha, wow, to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. So nothing can separate you from God's love. So if something say if somebody is telling you, oh, God hates you now, <laughs> it's too late for me to, to accept that. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. It says not even death. <laughs> not life. Not even any creation. It says not even principalities can separate me from the love of God in Christ. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So if somebody say, God is angry at you. God hates you now. You say, no, it's too late. Paul said, I am persuaded. Hallelujah. Is that your persuasion today? That nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. Hallelujah. Say, nothing can separate me. No, you're not saying it like you mean it. Nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. So nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ. He intercedes and stands as a surety of our salvation. Even when we fall short, He intercedes for us. He stands as a surety of our salvation. Even when we fall short. Look at in 1 John. 1 John 2 verse 1 to 2. 1 John 2 verse 1 to 2. What a glorious salvation we have. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Look at it. 1 John. 1 John 2, verse 1 to 2. 1 John 2. 1 John 2, verse 1 to 2. It says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin us. It says, but it says, and if any man sin, hallelujah, he has an advocate with the Father. So even if you fall short, he's able. He says, You have an advocate with the Father. Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Same truth. Same truth is our case before the Father. So, when we, even if we fall short, even if we fall short, is our case before the Father. We always have a well-argued case for us before judgment. Hallelujah. Because Christ because of who? Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23 to 24. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23 to 24. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23 to 24. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23 and 24. It says, and the very God of Peace sanctifies you wholly, and I pray your whole spirit 
and soul and body be preserved brainless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at the verse 24. It says, Faithful is he that calleth you, and all will also do it. So the word, it says the word. Look at the, the word I pray, where it says, and I pray God your whole spirit. I pray it's in italics there. So, and, and I told you that in the King James Version, when you see the word I pray, when you see the word in, the word in italics, it means it was not written by the original author, right? Because it was just like an addition. So he says, so, so it's, a, it's, it's a bit of a dangerous addition in that place. So you don't pray for sanctification. You don't pray for sanctification because it is God's work. Hallelujah. You don't pray for something because it is God's work. So Paul was affirming the faithfulness of God. Yeah. He was affirming the faithfulness of God. Yeah. He says, He will keep you holy and holy, safely. He will do it. it. He is the one that is doing it. He is faithful. It is Christ that is doing it. Look at John 5, verse 24. John 5, verse 24. John 5, verse 24. Hallelujah. Look at John 5, verse 24. John 5, verse 24. John 5, verse 24. John 5, verse 24. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, at everlasting life, look at it, and shall not come into condemnation. Oh, glory to God. It says, but he is passed from death to what? To life. So the believer will not come into judgment. Hallelujah. You have passed from death to life. See, I have passed from death to life. Look at John 10. John 10, 28 to 29. John 10, verse 28 to 29. John 10, 28 to 29. I'll wait for you. John 10, verse 28 to 29. John 10, verse 28 to 29. It says, And I give unto them infernal life, and they shall what? Never perish. Glory to God. He says, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hands. That's why I like this song. I am safe in his hands. He will keep me from all arms. I am safe in his hands. He will keep me from all arms. Is that it? So I says, I will, it says, and they shall never perish. Verse 29. My father which gave them, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them <laughs> out of my father's hands. So no one can pluck you out of his hands. So in simple terms, it means you have internal security. Hallelujah. Say, I have internal security. So you have internal security. Every believer should know his salvation isn't in his hands. You should know that your salvation is not in your hands. It is in the hands of the Father. So Jesus gives an astrologist here. No one, not even the devil, 
Satan is inclusive here. Not even Satan can pluck you out of his hands. Not Satan can make you leave your salvation. No one. He says no one, nothing can pluck you out of his hands. So every believer must start with this fact. Every believer must start with this fact. Because if we know spiritual growth isn't an attempt to keep salvation. Every believer must know that, okay, one step forward in my spiritual growth is I am not trying to keep my salvation. Are you getting me? So, can we safely say here now, everybody understand that you are not trying to keep their salvation, right? I don't know if you understand. Let me see your hand. All right. So, you know that you are not trying to keep your salvation because it is an aimless pursuit or you are not trying to make heaven that that aimless pursuit of i want to make heaven i want to make heaven just like every concept of growth it is the pursuit of development to enjoy the benefit of salvation making heaven all of those things in our life it comes with salvation it's part of the package it's part of the plan it's part of the the it's part of the all benefits that comes with salvation and to walk in the light of what Christ has done. So, that is why all commentaries in the epistles GS towards knowledge, just like we prayed before this meeting. It GS towards knowledge. Look at in 1 Peter 2, 2. Most of the commentaries in the epistles are just jane towards knowledge. It seems as though everything in the epistles is like you must know. You must know. Look at 1 Peter 2, 2. 1 Peter 2, 2. First Peter 2 2, I'll wait for you. First Peter 2 2. First Peter 2 2. First Peter 2 2. He says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the world, that ye may grow thereby. So he says, As newborn babes, you desire the sincere milk of the world, that you grow thereby. Look at 2 Peter 3 18. 2 Peter 3 verse 18. 2 Peter 3 verse 18. He says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. He says, grow in grace and in the knowledge of what? Our Lord Jesus Christ. You read Paul's prayers, Paul's prayers from the epistles in Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, Philemon, where prayers of insight, what God has done, the finished work, a done fact. So, spiritual growth eases an attempt to earn God's favor. Spiritual growth isn't an attempt to earn God's favor. Spiritual growth isn't an attempt to earn God's favor. Because we have his acceptance in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, you are not trying to earn God's favor. You have his acceptance. In Christ Jesus, you read, that's why I said, you read all the prayers in the epistles. You read all the prayers in Philippians. We read them earlier in Ephesians 1, verse 16 to 20, 23. Also, it says, the Lord of I see God to pray for you, that your eyes of understanding will be enlightened, and, and so on and so forth. In Colossians 1, it says, I see not to desire that you go in wisdom, wisdom and knowledge. In Ephesians, in Philemon 1, verse 6, it says that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. It, and so on and so forth. It's just for you to know. 
And something else you must add to that is that spiritual growth is it an attempt to end God's favor. We have this acceptance in Christ Jesus. It is not a pursuit of justification. It is freely given in Christ. Justification is freely given in Christ. Neither is it to guarantee our salvation. Because this is done by Jesus himself. Hallelujah. It's done by Jesus himself. Ephesians 1 verse 6. Ephesians 1 verse 6. Ephesians 1 verse 6. Ephesians 1 verse 6. It says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Remember I said, it is not an offense to end God's favor. We already have his acceptance in Christ. Hallelujah. So you are not trying to beg God to do something. You are not trying to... Because it's like saying you are walking into a room full of money and you are begging, please can I touch it? Please can I touch it? And it is yours. So, in Romans 5 verse 17, look at Romans 5 verse 17. Romans 5 verse 17. Romans 5 verse 17. It says, For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. So we are not, we have the gift of righteousness. Look at Hebrews 7, Hebrews 7 verse 25. Hebrews 7, verse 25. We read that earlier. Hebrews 7, verse 25. Hebrews 7, verse 25. It says, It says, Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that cometh unto God by him, seeing that he liveth to make intercession for them. So this is settled. It is a settled work. So now let us distinguish spiritual growth from what it is not now. So, the work of salvation proceeds from grace. Remember I told you, for by grace you are saved. In Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 10, or 8 to 9, you are saved. And then, we fall into the error of thinking that all the help that we can get now, spiritual growth is our effort to ensure we live right. No. We are wrong. So, you know what? You believe now that, okay, now you are saved, right? Now you are, you are righteous. Now you are all of those things. You now believe. Now this is what you thought spiritual growth was. You thought that. Now you, you want to apply it yourself. You want to try to make yourself do this thing. You want to make yourself now live righteous. No, that's not spiritual growth. Because no man can live the Christian life. I'll repeat this again. No man can live the Christian life. No man. Because the Christian life is received from salvation. So you just walk in what you have received. You can't try to live the Christian life and expect to, to come out perfect. You already have righteousness. Stop trying to become righteous. Are you getting me? You already become holy. You already old. Christ has made you holy. Now stop trying to be holy. Just walk in the fullness of what you have believed. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you getting what I'm saying? 
So because we always fall into the trap or the error of thinking that, okay, we can, that we fall into the error of thinking that it is all the help we can get now. Spiritual growth is our effort to ensure we live right. So you are, you are trying to live right. You are trying. Okay, okay, I know that I'm righteous, but let me try to be righteous too. Let me try to be righteous. No. It is received. Like I said again, no man can live the Christian life. It is Christ who enables us to do that. You can't by your own say, I want to become a Christian. I want to live the Christian life. No, you will fall into... You, what, you will, what, you will, what, what, what that will happen to you is that you will try to believe in... Um, how do these guys call it? Character modification. You just be trying to please yourself and feel good when it is Christ who does the work. Look at Philippians 2, verse 12 to 13. Philippians 2, verse 12 to 13. Philippians 2, verse 12 to 13. Philippians 2. Verse 12 to 13. It says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much in my absence, he now says, Walk out your own salvation with fear and trembling. In verse 13, he says, It is God which walketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. He gives an instruction. He says, walk out. Not walk for. Remember? He says, not walk for your salvation. That's not what you saw there, right? Guys, right? Because some people will tell you, okay, the Bible is saying, but the Bible says, walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. He did not say, walk for your salvation. You know, walk out is different from what for, right? When you are walking out, what does that mean? <laughs> no, I'm just, just messing with you now. Is this walk? Is, so he's not saying walk for your salvation. He places emphasis in verse thirteen. He says it is God, which what, guys, which worketh in you. So it is God who is working in you to do what is good will and pleasure. So God is working in us. God is working in us. Christ is working in us. Are you seeing that? So it is not a function. Of, so because you you find Christians say, but the Bible says in Philippians two, work out your salvation. So are you trying to tell me I don't have things to do with my salvation? Third them the next verse. It says it is God who is working in you. Hallelujah! Say God is working in me. Glory to God. God is working in me. I can't do it myself. He did not say work for your salvation because he already told us in Ephesians 2, he says it is not of works, right? Yes. Right? Right? It's not of works, lest any man should boast. So I could not be working for my salvation because then it will be works. But he now says, it is God who worketh in me. Who <laughs> with God. In Colossians 1 verse 27, Colossians 1 verse 27, very quickly. Colossians 1 verse 27. It says that to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of the mysteries 
among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. Hallelujah. Christ in you, the hope of his glory. So, it's Christ is walking in me. It's the indwelling of the Spirit. Romans 8, verse 8 to 10. Romans 8, verse 8 to 10. Romans 8, verse 8 to 10. Christ is walking in me. Hallelujah. Romans 8, verse 8 to 10. Romans 8, verse 8 to 10. It says, So they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. In verse 10, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of what? Righteousness. So, Christ in us is the secret of Christian living. I'll say it again. Christ in us is the secret of Christian living. Christ in us is the secret of Christian living. Christ in us is the secret of Christian living. We are not to live for him. He is to live through us. Hallelujah. We are not to live for him. He is to live through us. We are not to live for him. He is to live through us. So the issue here is how, right? How would they do that, right? I know, right? So, <laughs> so you are thinking, how is he going to do that? Look at Colossians 2 verse 6. Colossians 2 verse 6. Paul answers this again in Colossians 2 verse 6. Remember I said, we are not to live for him. He is to live through us. Colossians 2 verse 6. Colossians 2 verse 6. It says, as ye have therefore received Christ. Look at it. Colossians 2 verse 6. It says, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. So how was Christ received? By his word, right? We studied that before. Christ was received by his word. Romans 10, right? Christ was received by his word. His finished work. So that's the way to walk in him. By his word. We must feed on his word. Colossians 2 verse 6 says, As you have therefore received Christ, as you have received Christ, how did you receive Christ? You were preached, a message was preached to you, right? Oh, shoot. Are you guys getting me? Romans 10, it says, um, look, look, let's go to Romans 10. Put your hands in Romans, uh, Colossians 2 and let's go to Romans 10 so that we can understand. How did the message come to you? Look at it in Romans 10. Look at Romans 10. Romans 10. See from verse um, 17. Romans 10 verse 17. So then, faith cometh by what? Hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. So how did you receive the gospel? The word of God, right? A message was preached to you, right? Okay, look at, look at, um, all right. Look at in verse, look at in verse, uh, verse 13. It says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Look at verse 14 very quickly. It says, How then shall we call upon him who did not believe? And how shall they believe on him on whom they've not heard? How shall they hear without what? A preacher. Verse, 13, verse 15 now says, How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring God tidings of good things. So he now says in verse 16, But they have not obeyed the gospel, for they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who shall believe our report? He now says, For faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Lord. 
So how did you receive the gospel? By the word of God, right? The word of God was preached to you. You received the gospel, right? Right? Hey, right? Now, so in Colossians 2, look about Colossians 2 verse 6. Because we, we were trying to answer a question we said. In Colossians 2 verse 6, we said, Christ, remember we said Christ in us is what? The secret of what? Christ in us is the secret of Christian living. So, and I said, we are not to live for him. He is to live what? Through us. And how is that happen? How is that going to happen? Colossians 2 verse 6. Colossians 2 verse 6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, how did you receive him? True God's word, right? No, you're not saying like you mean it. True God's word, right? All right. So you receive him by the way. It says, so walk in him. So that is the way to walk in him. You must feed on him. You must consistently feed on the written word. That is why we come to church service. Hallelujah. That is why we are teaching today. Hallelujah. Because we are feeding on who? On Christ. We are feeding on him who we have received. Does that make sense? So we are walking in him. So hence, he walks and walks through us. He walks, W-O-R-K-S, and W-A-L-K-S. He walks and walk through us. Look at 2 Corinthians 3 verse 5. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 5. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 5. Are you, are you, if you're getting something, let me see your hands this, this evening. Let me see if you're if you understanding what I'm saying. All right. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 5. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 5. It says, not that, are you there? I'll wait for you. It says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves. Look at what it says. Read it on. Let's, let's have a chorus read. Lift your voice. Let's say read it. It says, but what? But our, but our what? Sufficiency is of what? It's of God. Our sufficiency is of God. So it is not in our power. We are not self-sufficient. But we are God-sufficient. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I am God-sufficient. So we are God-sufficient. We are God-reliant. So this means Christ within is our dependent. Christ within the believer is our dependent. We depend on Christ. We are not depending on ourselves to live righteous. Are you getting me? We are not depending on ourselves to live holy. Christ in us walks through us, right? Christ in us lives through us. Christ in us is making that happen. So don't let anybody bamboozle you or sway you into thinking, oh, you, you will try and try, you will fail. No, he's able to keep me from falling. It is actually Christ who is walking through me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. So as I focus on the world, I focus on Christ. Hallelujah. I focus on Christ and Christ functions through me. As I focus on the word, I focus on Christ and Christ functions through me. So spiritual growth is a function primarily of knowledge. Spiritual growth is a function primarily of knowledge. Are you getting something this evening? Praise God. So, now, let's view the work of a pastor, the work of a preacher, the work of a minister of the gospel in this regard. Look at Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Let's see. My job, right? Your job too. As you're going to be preaching and teaching people, right? Let's see. Ephesians 4. 
Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 15. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Are you there? I'll wait for you. Are you uh, Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. See, it says in verse 11, it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. In the Greek, it just means pastoring teachers. In verse 12, it says, For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, it says, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man and unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, that we henceforth be no more what children, thrust to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, corny craftiness, whereby they lay in which to deceive. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, we may what? Grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So the work of a pastor and a minister of the gospel is to mature the saints. Is to mature the saints. Your work as you preach the gospel, as you help people, as you hope you know you're a minister of the gospel. How many of you are ministers here? Everybody's a minister, right? All right. So your work is to mature the saints. You shouldn't be shell-shocked at immature behavior. You should mature the same or shy the trait of a believer. You, as a preacher, you should, not be, you should not be shocked at an immature behavior of a believer. No, because no child ceases to be a human because of his prank or his mischief. You must not be shocked. You must not. Okay, a child is trying to play pranks with you, trying to do hide and seek, trying to. He's just he's still a child. You must not be shocked at that behavior. So, but that should not that that should that behavior should not should not make you de-Christian, de-Christian the person. <laughs> but the food is unity of the faith. The collective unity of the Christian churches, the unity of faith is the oneness of belief. The unity is Christ. So the work of a preacher is to mature the saints, help the saints grow, so they don't become they don't start growing in every wind of doctrine oh i'm the righteous here the year i'm the righteous here, the righteous here today tomorrow the year i'm the sin, i'm a sinner here ha that is too <laughs> that is too <laughs> too opposing truths <laughs> are you getting what i'm saying so it's just moving about toast to and fro by every wind of doctrine so your work is to help them mature them and say guy be stable oh you bring your edges be stable I'm just joking. <laughs> Be stable. So, unto the perfect man, which is Christ, the measure of the fullness of Christ. So, with this, it will not be forced to and fro, carried about by every move in the church world. Because a lot of people don't have a doctrinal footing today. You ask them, what do you believe? I don't believe anything. And you go to church. I don't know. What does your pastor teach? I'm just sitting down. <laughs> Why? Because there's no training. There's no. They, they, they're not growing. You hear they, they will teach you success motivation. Imagine they use the Bible to teach you how to be motivated. Imagine you leave the service this evening now, and all you feel like doing is to go and is to go and become a president of America. <laughs> you know how I feel as a preacher. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a wrong ambition. 
but that's not the fruit of what I taught you this evening. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because all I am pointing your attention to is how you will grow in Christ. But if you are hearing, ah, wow, I'm going to grow in Christ. And as I grow in Christ, I'm going to be a president. Something is wrong with you. That's not what I said. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? So, because they, so a lot of people don't have even a doctrine. They just want to, to, just imagine you come to church service and I'm motivating you to go and build your business. Is that wrong? Obviously, obviously it's not, a, it's not bad. Go and build your business. Go and, go and build empire. Have your own Trump empire too. Have your own this. It's not wrong. But that is not in church. We don't learn those things in church. You can go, you can take a class in business school. Register in business school and let them teach you. Take online courses on how to grow your business. You will learn it. They will teach you better than a pastor. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? How to grow your social media account. It's not in the church you're going to learn that from. Don't expect any day you hear that in my mouth. Okay, Bridget, I just think... I just think our service today, we're just going to study how to be the next millionaire in the United States of America. Just pack your bag. Pack your Bible and run. Just say, ah, pastor has missed it. He has, he has lost his salvation. Just pack your Bible and run. Are you getting what I'm saying? I'm telling you the truth too. So that me too, I will not backslide. <laughs> so when you just see... Brethren, the topic of our today's message is how to be a billionaire in service. They just say, oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Just carry your Bible and just start going. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because that should not be you Watch, We should study in church. They are busy. Hope you know, Bill Gates will teach that, that better than me. Right? Yeah. He has been experienced. Warren Buffett will do that better than me. Jeff Bezos will teach that better than me. Helio Mox will teach that better than me. Just imagine, Helio Mox is planning. He's tired of the earth. <laughs> All he wants to do now is mass. <laughs> so he has enjoyed the riches of the earth and he's going into... All he's thinking about is how he will, how he will survive in mass. Then we are now going to teach how to, how to enjoy the riches of the earth. Elon Musk, Elon Musk will teach that subject better than I do. I, I, where in the scriptures am I going to use? No, teach me. Ah. <laughs> or oh, whatever the soul of my fish shall touch, I possess. Why have you not possessed it since? <laughs> Hallelujah. But you know, somebody who can build an electric car, Electric van, electric everything. Then you now say, I should explain to him. You know, if he walk up to his service and I'm teaching how to enjoy your riches on it, he's just wondering. Just tell you, stop, stop, stop. How much do you want? It's like you're hungry. <laughs> he just buy you, buy the church, buy everything. He, he recently bought something. So he, he, he tweeted some years ago that I, I think I'm going, I like Twitter so much that I'm going to buy it. And he bought it. <laughs> so imagine he bought Twitter now. He's looking for the next available thing now to buy. <laughs> so imagine <laughs> he has Tesla, he has Twitter, he has biggest shares in so many places. And you, and, and he, just imagine he walks to this service there and he sits down. And I'm now saying, Bridget, how to be the next billionaire on earth? He will just look at you and say, 
you would just Google me and say, how you been saying? Where's, where's your statistics? Where's your statistics on, on the billionaire chart? You're not even in the first five. You're not in the first seven. You're not in the first ten. Even, I'm not even in the first, I'm not even in the first one million. <laughs> or first two billion. <laughs> maybe they check my own record. My own is maybe... <laughs> how many people are in the air today? 40... For 300 million, or I mean, 14 billion is the world. Maybe my own is in the 13.9 billion people. I'm at least at the last, I'm just standing in the queue. <laughs> then, you, I'm not going to teach how to be. He's going to check my record. He's just going to, guy, you're hungry. What much do you want? You know? But imagine I'm teaching him how to feed on God's word. You know, that's going to strike something in that. That is the gospel. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's the gospel. That's the gospel. So we should not build a church or be. So when you get to a church or you get to a place and, they, and all they are teaching you is how to first Google the pastor. What, what is the statistics of this man? Are you the, among the first top 10? Are you among the first top? Because a businessman will teach you business well. Are you getting what I'm saying? Some people say, yeah, how to be motivated. They are mo- if you want to receive motivation, go and watch TEDx on YouTube. And watch YouTube. Sit down with it. You'll be motivated. Watch YouTube and say, I want to motivate myself today. Or how to, or how to. Some people have given you good speech. Some people have good oratory speech. They can motivate you. But not in church. In church, we study God's word. We feed on Christ. Hallelujah. And we are not breaking the mood. Praise God. Hallelujah. You won't come here and what we'll be saying is, brethren, how to build the biggest empire in the United States? No. There are a lot of empires already. What am I, try, what am I be trying to build? No. Hallelujah. You can learn that in the world and it's not wrong. Right? That's why there's medical school, right? I can't be teaching you medical things here. I'm not a professional. That's why you have a school for it. You have a school for becoming a lawyer, right? Law school. There is nursing school, right? There is, which other one? Business school. There is professionals who are, who are good in those courses. So we will tell you school is a scam. Don't go to school again. Don't do all of those things. Learn online. Get yourself into a boot camp. Learn. Those ones know what they are doing. <laughs> you get to what I'm saying. But not in the church. We can't teach you how to make money. Me, I don't even know. I don't even have the money. I will not teach you how to make money. Me, I'm still looking for money. <laughs> I'm not going to teach you, brethren, how to make money from the scriptures. Ha! Just pack your Bible and run. Does that make sense? You come to church and you hear me and say, how you been saying, how to make money from the scriptures. Brethren, there's a mystery in the scriptures on how to make money. I just discovered it. There is nothing like that. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you getting what I'm saying? Praise God. Because even Jesus walked upon this head and the Bible says, son of man has no place to lay his head. <laughs> God, who created the heaven and earth did not have a place to lay his head. <laughs> so, I thought it should be the embodiment of, of the riches. That's to tell you. It is, it, it is money is with the people that holds it. That's why he had to have, have 
disciples like Joseph Diarmatia, very rich guy, who could buy his tomb, who could buy his uh, burial ground. Imagine did he didn't have a disciple like that. <laughs> you know, the disciples did not have money to buy that kind of tomb. Because if they, they would have bought it on time. Stop behaving like a Christian now. <laughs> Think. <laughs> they had to, ah, Joseph the hotel, he had power, he had authority, he just went to beg them, give me the body. It's just like saying, um, Bill Gates, our Bill Gates is just speaking about this coronavirus, like he's the one that created it. <laughs> you know, just give me this thing, let's, let me, and he did it well. But Jesus, in their account, Judas has stolen the money. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> it's <God>. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, the pastor, pastors must retrace their step. They must learn to see that the growth is to teach Christ alone. Hallelujah. Growth is to, to see growth is to teach Christ alone. So, when we feed on Christ, we grow up unto him. Hallelujah. When we feed on Christ, we grow up unto him. So, his word is given in different concepts. Romans 10 verse 8. The word is faith. The word is faith. He is the author and finisher of our faith. Hebrews, 2, Hebrews 12 verse 2. He is the author and finisher of our faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10 verse 17. So, he is referred to as the word of grace. To Acts 20 verse 28. Titus 2 verse 11. He is the grace. Is grace. So grace is no doctrine. Grace is not a doctrine. Same with faith. It is a person. He is called the word of life. First John 1 verse 1 to 3. He is life. The doctrine of righteousness. Hebrews 5 verse 14. He is our righteousness. He is our righteousness. Hallelujah. So we must learn to feed on this reality. So spiritual growth starts when we look at his word. Hallelujah. So spiritual growth starts when we look at his word, when we focus on him and not on us. Spiritual growth starts when you look at God's word, when you focus on him and not yourself. So as we focus on the word, the word focuses on us too. Holy to God. You know, as we are focusing on Christ, you are seeing your reality. It's like a, it's like a counter attack. You are seeing your reality. You are seeing, oh, this is what Christ has done. You are seeing this is who you are. Right? So as you focus on the word, the word focuses on you. So we are not just positionally changed, but we are conditionally changed and transformed. Glory to God. So spiritual growth starts when we look at his word, when we focus on him and not us. And like I told you, spiritual growth is a function of knowledge primarily. Spiritual growth is a function of knowledge primarily. Spiritual growth is a function of knowledge primarily. So, every believer should know that spiritual growth is not an attempt to keep his salvation. Spiritual growth is all seeing ourselves in the light of what Christ has seen us or made us to be. Does that make sense to you? Does that make sense to you? Hallelujah. Did that make sense to you this evening? Praise God. Do you know what? Share with your neighbor what you learned this evening and just peek around. Because now, compare notes and, and share and see, okay, 
what did I learn? Am I actually, and ask yourselves, as you are studying, as you are looking at one another, asking yourself, are you really growing spiritually? Are you getting what I'm saying? Do those examinations this evening and tell yourself, are you growing spiritually? So share with your neighbor what you learned this evening. Did you learn something? Say, I grow spiritually. I grow spiritually. I learn to see myself as Christ sees me. As I focus on the word, the word focus on me. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So share with your neighbor what you learned this evening. Glory, glory.